Welcome to The Baseball Show, Chicago's only interactive nightly show focused on the Cubs, the White Sox, and Major League Baseball. On radio, on app, on podcast. Listen to the show your way on ESPN 1000 with a new ESPN Chicago app. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome into the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. It's at ESPN MLB Show. Right now, we're waiting for the start of the Cubs and the Reds at the Great American Ballpark. You, Darvish. On the mound for the Cubs, he is 3-2 and two in eight starts against the Reds with a 3.60 ERA. He gave up six hits and three runs in a loss against the Brewers in his first start. We'll talk about the Cubs moving forward here just for the moment. Also, Luis Castillo on the mound for the Reds. 4-2 and two in his uh, 10 career starts against the Cubs with a 3.56 ERA. In his start against the Tigers on Saturday, he gave up one run and six hits in six innings. So, waiting for that game to get underway as there's rain in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Among the storylines I talked with you about with this Cubs team was the bullpen, right? We talked about this before the season started. Who's going to get outs on this ball club from the bullpen? It's one thing to be able to have a team that should be able to be a playoff team like the Cubs. It's another to just roll out pretty much the same roster and just hope and wish that the team is going to be able to be competitive. If you're Tom Ricketts and you shut the water off financially on the Cubs like he did for um, Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer here this offseason, you have to find a way to try to be as innovative as possible, especially when you get to the train deadline. I was not confident, and many were not confident, about the Cubs and their bullpen coming into this season. You could feel pretty good about the starting rotation and say the starting rotation can be able to get you through games, but definitely a potent offense should be able to get you through the games. But Cubs relievers have walked 20 of the 95 batters faced this year. That's a walk rate of 21.1%. Their ERA has ballooned to almost 10. Both marks are the worst in baseball. So every time you turn on a Cub game, realize that when the starter goes away, the offense from the other team will see the worst bullpen in baseball. And you say, well, Hood, it's just a small sample size, just a few games. Point is, is that you don't want these few games to be a trend for this Cubs team because I can't find someone that I think they can get out on a regular basis out of that bullpen. So think about it. Hendricks exited yesterday with two men on and just one out in the fifth in favor of lefty Rex Brothers, who it was Rex. I remember Rex Brothers when I was a kid. My grandmother would take me to the furniture store. Rex Brothers, they had great furniture there, great lamps. Brothers hasn't really had much big league experience in recent seasons, but the Cubs were pleased with the velocity that he was showing in camp with his slider. So... That's one thing. But then his main job, as Sahadav Sharma was talking about this in the Athletic.com, his main job on this night was to retire Mike Boustakis, who had homered in the inning prior against Hendricks. Instead, brothers ended up walking him. Then three pitches later, Castellanos hammered a 96-mile-an-hour fastball 
for a grand slam. Then the game was out of reach. And now you're looking at Rex Brothers and Brad Wick and Kyle Ryan, and you're trying to find out who could be able to get outs on a regular basis. Some thoughts from Jesse Rogers earlier today here on ESPN 1000 talking about the woes from the Cubs' bullpen. This is not unexpected at all, at all. I mean, it's just getting exasperated by the fact that it's a 60-game season. At least if this was a regular season, they might take a little time to figure out some arms. You don't necessarily lose the pennant in April. Okay, maybe guys emerge in May and June, and now you've got a bullpen, but you don't have time for that. And, and Jen and Theo know that. They know that. Uh, and it's, it's difficult to win without a bullpen in a normal season, but certainly in this shortened season, it's going to be very, very difficult. So this is not unexpected for anybody listening. This is not a shock. And that's why going back to January or when they hired David Ross, I always thought this was going to be somewhat of a transition season. Um, I guess not so much when they hired David Ross, but once I saw who they were bringing in for their bullpen, some decent arms, but completely unproven they need innings. They need high leverage. They need low leverage. They need experience. And it's hard to get when you're trying to win in a 60-game season. I mean, you know, last year on this show, Carmen, if you let me just uh, go yeah, off on a tangent sure. here. On yeah, this show do. more than any other, I hammered Joe Madden for his misuse of their best reliever, Brandon Kinsler. Yes. Did I not? Yes, you and did. And I was right on the money on that. And what happens in the offseason? Okay, they want a new bullpen, fine. Pedro Strope wasn't very good, but Brandon Kinsler was their best reliever. He signs with the Marlins, of all places, by the way. One year, $3 million. If they were serious about their bullpen, they would have signed him back for $3.5 million. Big deal, right? Or, heck, go trade for him right now. I don't think he's one of the positive ones. And they're not even playing down in Miami. So, like, if you're serious, you go out and get people or retain the good ones. You don't just bring in... 10 new arms and try to figure things out on the fly. And that's exactly what the Cubs and David Ross are doing right now. The baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jesse is correct. This is not a new storyline. It's new now because we got baseball, but it's something we talked about all throughout the spring training when we had a stoppage. And we continue to preview Cubs baseball on my shows and saying, hey, you know, one of the glaring issues with this team is this bullpen who's going to get out, and including the closer situation, right? So the question I had was, is there someone besides Kimbrell that can be able to close the door? Let's go back because just a couple of nights ago, boy, it was so close for the Cubs. They almost lost that game, had a comfortable 8 nothing lead, and they blew it because... The bullpen wasn't very good again. Kimbrell's there to shut the door. That did not happen. David Ross, the manager for the Cubs, talked about Kimbrell and thinks it's just rust. It got away from us, I think, a little bit earlier on, and he comes in with not – he hadn't had work in six days, you know. And, um, you know, part of that is just he's got to knock off some rust and then continue to trust his stuff. I thought the ball – the fastball was electric tonight. Uh, we just weren't in the zone enough. Um, you know, we got to, we got to, we got to throw strikes, walks, uh, especially in that spot or kill you. So, um, yeah, you know, I think I, I chalk that up to a lot of rust six days for a closer, any bullpen guy you've seen uh, a lot of the guys, the first time out haven't been real sharp. There's only been a couple of them. Kepler's really did a great job tonight, uh, for us, uh, real wick got us out of a, a little jam there early on. So, um, you know, it's, it's, we want to make these big, decisions but a lot of these guys are first second time in the game we're seven games in. that's counting three exhibition games that guys aren't 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 playing in so um 
I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody, but but we've got to get a little bit of leash. This is a this is a really unique situation that we're dealing with. Let me tell you something, Eric. When I think about David Ross as a manager for this team, this is kind of where we are in Major League Baseball, a little bit in the NBA, but definitely Major League Baseball. If you're a good, quote-unquote, baseball man that's been around for a while, been around teams, good people person, you have an opportunity to manage. You don't necessarily have to go on the buses to the minor leagues and be able to be a first-base coach, a third-base coach, or manage on certain some kind of level in the minor leagues. You could be able to be jettisoned right to the top spot to be a manager. David Ross was a former player, went to ESPN for a couple of years, and now the uh, manager for the Chicago Cubs. Major market team, a team where the window is still ajar for them to win a championship in the Theo era. But understand this, that the question marks that I would have on this Cubs team, talking about their bullpen, trying to figure out the backside of that rotation, trying to figure out whether or not this team could be consistent offensively. And again, so far, so good. It's been a good start for the Cubs. But what I'm saying is, is that some question marks that would be on the roster, I'm sure that Joe Madden would address. I'm sure that there would be meetings for with Joe Madden and Jed and Theo in which Madden would have more of a say than I say David Ross would have because Ross never managed before, loves the Cubs team, won a championship here, and so whatever happens, he's part of either a team that's actually going to put together and win or part of the transition for the Theo and Jet era, because after 2021, I'm not sure that Theo is going to be here. I'm not sure that Jet is going to be here. But just understand that a veteran guy like Madden, who managed this ball club to a World Series championship, would probably look at this roster coming into the season and say, "Okay, so, so." Kimbrell, you, we had no other choices to try to close games. Can we get a little bit more experience in the bullpen if we can? We are, we're very young. It's very green. Is there any way we could be able to do that? I'm sure he'd have questions because, you know, Joe's managed young players before too, but when you've already got to a championship level, you want to maintain it. And so the last couple of years, the Cubs have not been able to reach their full potential. A team that, that looks like that, should be able to at least be in the playoffs and contend. And if I'm if I'm David Ross, you know, he's just happy to be there, happy to be a manager of the ball club, but he's not going to say anything about this roster, but I'm sure Joe would. See, that that's just such a salient point. Because of all the history of Joe Madden, he's going to have more gravitas in that room, period. Because he was a scout when he first, like everything from his early days in the Angels all the way through Tampa to Chicago, he's got... That that in, that that wisdom that I like he's been in the room for so long he would carry more weight and this was one of the questions about David Ross is how will he be able to criticize and get on ex players of his and he immediately started throwing out excuses for Kimbrel who he was with as a young guy he caught Kimbrel's very first safe he ever had in his career mm-hmm. so that's test one of David Ross not necessarily being clear honest like Kimbrel looked awful there was nothing. It's hard to find something shining out of that outing, and he somehow Ross tried to beneath the rust. All I know is that the the Cubs uh, look good offensively, and I, I like what I've seen so far from them, but the bottom line is, as the Cubs and Reds game is now postponed, uh, what I like from them offensively has been pretty good because I've been looking for that for the last couple of seasons, and they have to maintain that, but... 
if the Cubs are going to score five, six runs, you want to have a bullpen or a pitching staff that can hold up there in the bargain too. It's got to be balanced in order for the Cubs to be a viable contender in the Central and the National League as well. Coming up, we talk about the state of the White Sox. And again, if you have any thoughts about the Cubs, the game has um, been postponed now against the Reds. So, uh, Cub fans, you can jump in. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. Uh, your thoughts on the state of the Cubs through the first six games. We'll also ask the same question next about the White Sox, the state of the Sox. They're off tonight. They're 2-4 and four in their first six games. What does that mean? We talk about it coming up next. The baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Tonight's baseball show is brought to you by Bobby G's. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. Bobby G's on Archer is a proud official White Sox bar, and it's a fantastic place to watch a White Sox game. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. An inside look at the Cubs, the White Sox, and all of Major League Baseball. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Cubs and Reds postponed because of rain in Cincinnati, and the White Sox are off. So I'm talking to you about baseball on the baseball show every night after Waddle and Sylvie right here, presented by Goose Island Beer Company, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you because we're totally interactive. If you want to jump on Twitter, at ESPN MLB Show, follow the show. There's always plenty of content baseball-wise there on Twitter, at ESPN MLB Show, or on the phone lines. They're open for you. If you're a Cub fan or Sox fan listening to the show or a fan of a team in Major League Baseball, that's why we're here. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. So the White Sox, you talk about a team that's been really up and really down. And they're 2-4. and four, And you wonder why that is the case, right? It's just through six games. But the point is, is that every game's important when it's 60 games. And so with hyperbole, I always tell Wall and Sylvia, I'm like, oh, it's over the top. I'm over the top and I'm worried and concerned. Well, I, I think that what you want for your favorite team is that you want to get off to a good start and you want to be able to just hang in there. Even with the extra slots in the playoffs, you want to at least see your team interested. And you say, why? Why have the Sox started off two and four on the season? The core is young and it has not settled in yet. Even the veterans that you see day-to-day, they haven't settled in yet as well. You know, in the, in the series against Cleveland, the White Sox scored 10 runs in three games offensively, uh, and that just won't do. You just can't have 10 runs in three games offensively for the Sox against Cleveland. That is not good enough. And here's some of the things we've seen through the first six games of the season. So Renteria, on the second game of the doubleheader against Cleveland, puts Delmonico at the cleanup spot, and he gave Grandal and Encarnacion the day off. Even though today was the day off for the White Sox, he gave Grandal and Encarnacion a blow. And I'm just kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we've been sitting here waiting for baseball to return. It returns in late July, here we are on the 30th with a day off, and instead of having Grandal and Encarnacion play both games of doubleheader to increase the Sox chances to be able to have some offense in there, increase their chances to win, Delmonico gets a chance to clean up in the, in the second game. And I'm just scratching my head like, why is that even the case? It's 60 games, and there, you know, again, it is a grind. There's no doubt about that. But 
the season just started. <laughs> so the idea that he's just doling out off days to Grandal and Encarnacion, the Sox had no chance to win that game uh, in game two, that doubleheader against Cleveland. The pitching seems like it's not ready for the season. And I, I didn't believe that the Sox would be the 05 Sox when it comes to their starting rotation. But I thought that maybe the Sox offense could keep the Sox in the game as the pitching picks up. The Sox can get anything going in until the ninth inning, and then the bullpen uh, for the Indians comes out there. It was a really good matchup, by the way, because it was Plezak on the mound for the uh, Indians and Giolito out there for the White Sox. It was a really, really good game. But it took the bullpen of the Indians to implode to give the Sox an opportunity. Let's go back to NBC Sports Chicago. The White Sox, uh, after eight innings, could not score. But the ninth, different story. Two and one. Yasmani, a drive to right field on a line. Santana makes the catch off the double clutch. Tim scores. And the Sox have the first run of the ball game with one out in the ninth. Eloy, long fly ball, center field. Mercado back, and he makes the catch. Sox will get another run. Moncada scores, and it's 2-0 Sox. Goins into second, Abreu into third. Robert up the middle, into center field. That's a base hit. Abreu scores. Goins on his way home. It is 4-0 Sox. Luis Robert straight up the middle. He got a bash in the head from Santana, and he'll take the two runs. Thank you. He's driven in four. Doesn't overswing. He gets this one. It's got the middle of the plate and down. Takes it right back up the middle. The Sox plate another two runs, giving him a four-run lead. Four runs on five hits, and two of them came from Tim Anderson. So it took all that time, but the Sox were able to at least get four on the board after Plesak sat down. Plesak was terrific, by the way. Uh, 11 strikeouts through eight, three hits, did not surrender a run. Then Hand is the one who gave up the uh, three earned runs, and the Sox win that game four to nothing. They salvaged the series, and two and four going into their series against Kansas City. But but here's really the glaring big glaring red light on White Sox baseballs. We talk about this on the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The glaring red light on the Sox is the starting rotation. See, it's one thing to look at these scores for the White Sox offensively and say, okay, you know, you scored four in the the bottom or the top of the ninth. You lose five to three, you lose four to three. And then against the Twins, that's just a whole different story to start the season because the Twins can mash. They are just um, unbelievable offensively. Over 300 home runs last year. They added to their offense in the offseason. So when you're losing 14-2 and 10-5, some of that is not a surprise. But what is surprising is a starting rotation that starts the season with Giolito, three and two-thirds, surrendering seven runs. Uh, and the middle of the lineup offensively for the White Sox was 0-11. So 0 for 11 there in the middle of the lineup in, in game number one. Giolito had the heavy Freddy Garcia sweat for that one, by the way, at guaranteed rate. Watching him out there, I said, oh, he doesn't look very comfortable. And guess what? The, he wasn't very comfortable. Neither were the White Sox in that first game or that whole series against the Twins. So Keuchel, in game number two, quality start, five and a third, 
three hits, two runs surrendered. It's exactly what you're looking for. You want to be able to have someone that steadies the waters for your starting rotation. Keiko, a veteran, was able to do that. Then here comes Lopez, who's now on the IL. Two-thirds of an inning, four runs, and a loss for the White Sox when the Sox lost 14-2. to two. He looked completely lost out there. And I don't know when he had forearm issues or when he started to have the problems, but it just seems like from pitch one watching that game this past Sunday, he had nothing going for him at all. It didn't look good at all. And it kind of reminded me somewhat of what we saw from Lopez last year. That's not a good sign, especially in a 60-game season. Dylan Cease, everyone's ace, right? Everyone's ace, Dylan Cease. Two and a third, seven hits, four runs surrendered. Now, he's got a good fastball, but it's about placement. And so I'm watching him out there, and watching the game, that first game for Cease, I could tell he felt like he was getting squeezed a little bit and had to be a little bit too fine. But it's, you know, he's got to be able to learn, even against the Indians hitters, you've got to be able to give give a little bit better effort than what he did in that game. But we'll see if it gets better as the season progresses. And Rodon. Uh, three and two-thirds, surrendered five runs. You know, until Giolito was able to stop the Indians yesterday, made you wonder about the rotation as a whole. And it is about getting off to a good start. It is being able to magnify these games even more so. If this is April, it's just me reading line scores and talking about the ebb and flow of the season and all this stuff. But uh, I'm analyzing this baseball season. If we get 60 games like an NBA season and how important those games are, an NHL season, and how certain games, certain matchups, especially in the division, make sense and how you've got to be able to perform better. And so the Sox have lost their first two series, and now they take on Kansas City and Coffin Stadium, and we'll find out what happens. But looking at the rotation for the, uh, for the White Sox, the first couple of series, it was not great. You know, for uh, the... Four losses out of six games felt like 15 or 20. And the team has to be able to develop chemistry straight away immediately if they want to be able to compete. It just I saw the game yesterday and seeing Tim Anderson come through with a couple of hits. But when you have a lineup on the surface again with Tim Anderson, the hitting champion last year, Seeing Moncada, seeing Abreu, Grandal, Encarnacion, um, Eloy, who was out there yesterday with an RBI, Robert, you've got to be able to come through. You've got to be able to start winning series and having the starting pitching match what the offense can be. As we talk about this here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. There was one other story. Eric, I don't know if you saw this from MLB.com regarding Luis Robert. Now, you've worked with me for a few years now, so you know how I am about this stuff when it comes to whether it's, we're talking about young players in the NFL, young players in the NBA, Major League Baseball. I, I always like to be able to be a somewhat hesitant before you crown someone great before they've even had a whole season. So Matt Kelly from MLB says, has Robert lived up to the hype in a word? Yes. And it's just been two series, man. It just It's just been two series. Here's what I like. I like that when he hits the ball, it goes far and it goes fast. You love that he's got 100, uh, 115.8 miles an hour as far as balls hitting uh, out, you know, off his bat. That's great. So the bat speed is there. The ex- exit velocity is great, especially for his first career hit. But once again, we are talking about baby steps, series after series, being out there every day, and to see exactly what he can do. 
I just don't like to crown someone Pete Alonzo or crown him Bryce Harper or Otani or you know Josh Bell or someone like that just because he looks good after a couple of at bats. Just trying to be fair about it. You know, that's how I look at it. I just I just think that you have to be able to wait a little bit and see a body of work before we start saying this guy is going to be a 5-2 player. And baseball is 100% one of those games that you get figured out. Like, it, you become who you are once everyone else figures out who you are. So once everyone starts game planning, you've got a rep. You've got, you've got your hot zones. You've got your cold zones. And everyone now knows that. Everyone knows what your warts are. It's the players that know how to how to adjust. So, like, he's a long way away from having that full adjustment to becoming a pro, like, yeah. at that level. Yeah, I mean, just, like, it, it's, like, okay, so the positive is, and we based this on a couple of weeks, or, you know, a couple of starts here, makes up a lot of ground in the outfield, you know, he does. He, he can definitely uh, track down some baseball, so you like the speed from a young guy, you like that the when the ball hits his bat, it goes far, not necessarily home runs, but just the exit velocity is great. That's just one measurement of how he's seeing the ball well. But it, what we want to see is consistency. That's for any young player. That's for Nico Horner. That's for Luis Robert. That's for uh, any young player on either one of these rosters. So, you know, in a month, if Lewis Robert is a guy that's holding this offense up, you're like, okay, there's a, there's a semblance of some offense there coming from Robert. But when I, when I read uh, from some Sox fans that Robert should have hit fourth in the uh, game two of the doubleheader instead of Delmonico, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second, hold on. That's somebody's on. Ozzie Guillen, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I, saw, yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. 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 We talked about it yesterday, just like this, like he should be hitting fourth. Wait a minute now. So if he, so if he struggles, whose fault is it? Right, it, it, it's the growing pains of a young player, uh, and they all go through it. So I, I'm excited about his future, like a lot of young players on both sides of town. But I'm not trying to crown Lewis Robert just yet. We see some good things. Let's see if it uh, if it extends throughout these 60 games, and he could be a catalyst offensively for this White Sox team before pitching figures him out, if they ever figure him out. All right, coming up, uh, we'll get your reaction. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Also hit us up on Twitter, at ESPN MLB Show. We are here on a Thursday night uh, and getting your reaction to both sides of town. The Cubs game has been postponed because of rain. The White Sox are off, and I'm talking baseball with you. So if you're a Cubs or Sox fan listening to the show, you should tell me what is what stands out most about what you've seen from either side, the Cubs or the White Sox, if you're a Cubs or Sox fan. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Um, coming up, uh, so still more fallout from the uh, the Joe Kelly story from the Dodgers. Um, and there's there's a snitch guy for Major League Baseball, a compliance guy. We'll talk about that as we move forward as well on the baseball show. Tonight's baseball show is brought to you by Bobby G's. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Nails tonight. Bobby G's on Archer is a proud official White Sox bar. It's a fantastic place to watch a White Sox game. Cubs, Sox, and so much more. This is the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Chris Bleck and I will be together uh, starting at 7 o'clock for our NBA 
restart preview right here on ESPN 1000. We're going to lead you into the Clippers and Lakers at 8 o'clock, so Chris and I will be together for a full hour uh, giving you all the NBA that you need to kind of catch up on what you what we might have forgotten about before COVID-19 and now uh, that the players at the bubble in Orlando, Chris and I will be together starting at 7 o'clock. So if you're an NBA fan or know of one, tell them to come to their listening device and check out uh, our thoughts about the uh, restart of the NBA season right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. It's a baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company right here on ESPN 1000. Hit us up on Twitter as well. We'd love your follow at ESPN MLB Show, at ESPN MLB Show as we continue to um, to build this show for Cub fans and Sox fans and MLB fans. Um, the Cubs, they are have been postponed because of rain in Cincinnati, so that game is washed out, and the Sox, they are idle as they get ready to take on Kansas City at Kauffman Stadium. Uh, there's some other scores we want to get to here to keep you abreast. Bottom nine, Nationals lead the Blue Jays by the score of 6-4. to four. Um, it was Something funny about that, Eric, the, the Blue Jays are the home team in our nation's capital because the Blue Jays don't have a home yet. And, um, like, period. There's just floating around <laughs> this whole NBA season, or NBA, MLB season, they're just making it up as they go along. They still have no idea, like, next week where they're playing. Yeah, so, the, so, so that's the thing. Um, also, the uh, and that's the final now. The Nationals, Nationals win that game 6-4. Uh, to four. As it jumps around on me. All right, now we go back to the uh, bottom of the second. Yankees lead the Orioles five to two. Red Sox lead the Mets one nothing. The games in the bottom of the second. Indians and Twins no score in the bottom of the second. Also, bottom two, the Braves lead the Rays one nothing in Atlanta, and it is two one. Royals leading the Tigers. That game is in the top of the third inning. Those are the games in progress uh, right now in Major League Baseball. Glad that you're with me here on the Baseball Show on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. So um, a couple of things I want to point out, and one of them is what what baseball is trying to be. Baseball, here's one thing that baseball will never be. Baseball will never be the NBA. They more than likely will never be the NHL. They will, definitely will never be the NFL, college football, NASCAR, even the popularity of the UFC as of late. Because... The issue about baseball is not about time of games. I'm the wrong person to talk about time of games because baseball has been something I've been watching since I was a kid and love playing baseball. So it's in my veins. As a Gen Xer, baseball is already in my veins. Uh, the main sports in in my household when I was a kid was baseball uh, and boxing and the NFL. So baseball will always be part of my life. I'm never, no matter how upset I get with baseball or how much I love, it's never going away. It'll always be uh, something I enjoy all the time. That's why I'm hosting this show because I love baseball so much. But the issue is not about time of games. The NFL games, college football games, they can be endless. As long as they are entertaining, who cares? If you're invested in a game, you're invested to a great finish or a great ebb and flow to a game. Do you watch a movie not knowing what the running time is of that movie and say, ah, you know, this movie is just going way too long. Well, I mean, you you went to the theater to be able to invest time in this movie. 
and you don't have a remote to stop the, uh, the, the, the airing of that movie in the theater. So you're invested or you could walk out, but understand that you are going to spend two plus hours on a movie. And the same thing with the, with major league baseball, it has no clock. Baseball more likely will never have a clock. But the point is, is that the issue is not necessarily the clock. It's what Black has talked about and here and there very often in his career, and that is the issue is on the is the on field product. It's the action on the field. That's the issue. Competitive balance in baseball, it's really hard to be able to keep the product fresh and fun with your favorite team every night through 162 games. It just is. It's it's hard for fans, diehard fans, that's one thing, but trying to get the fan that's in the middle, not the diehard fans, but the ones in the middle or the ones that want to buy into the sport. You want competitive balance because you want your team to be able to win, but also it's the idea that you want to keep your product fresh and fun for the fan. It's hard to do that every night. But once a fan does watch, you want that to be something where they'll never forget it, or they've never seen a play like that before, or they want to be able to come back. It's hard to do that for 162 games. It's easier in the NBA. It's easier in the National Hockey League. It's easier on one-offs in the UFC. But it's very difficult to do that in baseball. Major League Baseball can tinker and put a runner at second base in extras. But it's about it's not necessarily about that. It is about how you can be able to have your baseball top-of-the-line players have them be visible for just to the average fan. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Baseball players have to be able to be front-facing to the general public. Baseball players should be on the same level as Roger Federer or LeBron James or Neymar or... Messi or Steph, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or Tiger Woods. These are names that the just average sports fans know. Even those that's not even into sports that much, they know Tiger Woods when they see him. They know LeBron James when they see him or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or, or even some of the soccer players who mentioned like Messi or Federer, the, the tennis player. But Major League Baseball could continue to tinker and do these things to try to get themselves in a position where they say, oh, we're, you know, we're popular now because we're trying to modernize the game. But here's the thing about baseball. You've got to be able to sell your product to the general public, not just guys like me. They already got me. They already got you as a longtime baseball fan. But it's about trying to grow the game. And once again, baseball is trying to outsmart the room by doing this. This came across today. Major League Baseball mulling seven-inning doubleheaders. <laughs> so the Players Association is surveying members that might propose either two seven-inning games for a doubleheader or nine innings for the opener and seven for the nightcap. A source confirmed to ESPN that Major League Baseball is checking opinions among owners and general managers and league staff hope uh, for a decision by Saturday to make a change or leave the rules the way they are. Official baseball rules allow minor league teams to adopt a rule, providing one or, or both games of a doubleheader be seven innings. The NCAA rules allow the options of two nine-inning games, uh, a seven or a nine-inning um, uh, season as well, or series as well. So instead of just having the traditional nine game, you know, nine innings for a doubleheader for each game, now you want to try to reinvent the wheel. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, doubleheaders can be a little long. How about nine innings for one game, and then we just have seven for the next? 
What? What? I mean, that that's not turning anyone's heads. No one's saying, you know what? I'm buying in now. Boy, that, I'll have to stay for 18 innings now. Boy, I'm buying in now. What? What? What is baseball trying to do? You're trying to to throw out these uh, innovations, and my thought is, it's not about the innovations. It's about the on-field product. It's about trying to market your sport a lot better. So, so the idea that they say, well, we're going to put a runner at second base because we, these games are too long. Okay, fine. You don't like the 18-inning classics anymore, and they should be done quicker? Okay, great. But now if someone has a doubleheader, they're even considering like nine innings, and then maybe the next game, eh, it's too long. How about we just do seven? Well, what? <laughs> or, or do two, uh, if you have a doubleheader, just have both frames just be seven innings. That's not baseball. That's you believing that you're outdumbing the room or outsmarting the room by saying, hey, you know, we got to be, be a little quicker here. We can't have baseball players out there for six hours, seven hours. Well, there's no clock. So you got to be invested one way or the other. So what are you doing? It's so strange. The Cubs are looking to postpone their games as quick as possible now. So then they have less length of innings. So less chances to get to Kimbrel and the rest of that bullpen. <laughs> see, now teams are going to be like, ah, uh, we see a little rain in the forecast. We're going to have to call it seven innings tomorrow. Let's go. <laughs> Does that make any sense to you, Eric? Like, no, it seems like they're throwing darts at a board. Like they don't know what's going on and just kind of trying. Like I said, just making this up as they go along. It feels like they had no set protocols for what would happen if things got a little hairy. But like, like, okay. So if if you don't want to do a you know eighteen innings and have a doubleheader, don't have doubleheaders anymore. If that's how you feel, like, why shortchange the fan? They just and, don't know what to do with these games that are being canceled or postponed because of the Marlins outbreak, and then like the Phillies cancel. So like, they just don't know how to fit these games in. So they're trying. All right, well, what if we just give you guys doubleheaders and uh, maybe not make you play as many innings? They're. I just don't think they know what to do. <laughs> because like, if the season ends and one team has twenty less games played, is their winning percentage going to be like held up and argued against another for a playoff spot? It's they don't know what to do. I think. Well, well, how about this? Thank God it's the Marlins, not like the Yankees. Yes, like that, I, they may have stopped baseball <laughs> if it was for that reason. Like, think about it. Thank and, God it was the Yankees, or it wasn't like the Yankees or the Dodgers or, or the Astros, teams that are expected to compete. Right, and some will take that wrong, but the point is, is that it's not me uh, trying to curse the Marlins and hope that they have COVID nineteen. But the point is, is that the the teams that are, are competitive. Uh, if those teams had a outbreak and had thirteen or fifteen players that are out, um, you know that's not great for baseball. That's none of us. This Miami Marlins thing is not great for baseball. But think about if if there are bigger marquee name teams that would have an outbreak, I would wonder what baseball would do then. I mean, they're doing with the Marlins now because they're you know they're in the basements, but still. Um, speaking of COVID-19, let's get to Buster only because he was on SportsCenter um, and he talked about the newest COVID-19 protocol for Major League Baseball. First off, when they're on the road, he doesn't want to, uh, the Major League Baseball wants the players to use surgical masks rather than cloth masks. And this is probably the most important feature 
essentially having a hall monitor assigned to each team to make sure they follow the health and safety protocol. Look, last weekend, that Marlins-Philly situation we had, it's pretty clear there wasn't enough oversight. So Major League Baseball is making its adjustments. And I have gotten a sense in the last 72 hours among teams where the feeling is we have to figure this out. Now, this afternoon, we got word about the Philadelphia Phillies, or from the Philadelphia Phillies, that a member of their coaching staff and a home clubhouse attendant tested positive. That's a big concern for baseball because they shut down the Phillies after what happened with the Marlins and, and tested them in the hope that they would get a lot of negative tests. And for three days, they did. But now they have positive tests. All workouts at Citizens Bank Park were canceled as of now. The Phillies are scheduled to play a doubleheader against the Blue Jays on Saturday in Philadelphia. I've asked and said if those plans changed and I got back, we don't know yet. Oh, great. Okay. Saturday. (laughs) Okay. All right. Three days. All right. Well, I don't know. Coming up, uh, we will give you five topics in five minutes. Eric's 545 is next right here on the baseball show. Tonight's baseball show is brought to you by Bobby G's. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. Bobby G's uh, Archer is a proud official White Sox bar. and It's a fantastic place to watch a White Sox game. This is the show about the show. You've been in the show, man? The baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Yeah, I was in the show. On Chicago's home for sports. Greatest days of my life. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Chris Fleck and I will give an NBA restart preview coming up at 7.03 right here on ESPN 1000. Leading you into the Clippers and the Lakers. Now time for 5.45. All right, Eric. We're late, so we got to get to 5 for 5. What's the topic? The topic is our all-time, not Cubs or Sox, but all-time MLB favorite uniforms. Your first uniform starting at number 5. Go. Number five would be the, how about this, Chicago Cubs 1977 uniform. It was a a pajama, like pajama top. It was baby blue. That's my favorite Cub uniform, actually. I'm going to be honest. Baby blues, there's a a lot of baby blues out there, and a lot of them caught my attention when I was going through this list. My number five favorite uniform is, speaking of that, I got the powder blue, anything really Number five, I'm going with the, the Brewers powder blue, but it really is just anything with that MB mitt logo I loved, and it started in the 70s with the powder blue. I will go with uh, my next one will be the uh, <laughs> the um, V-neck era of baseball. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Reds, the V-neck with the Reds on the, on the heart. Uh, I remember Johnny Bench, Pete Rose wearing that. So I love those V-neck uh, ones from the late 70s. I also have a V-neck on my list. Not that one. And that one's later. My number four is the Marlins. It was like in the Josh Beckett era. They wore their teal uniforms a lot. And it had the black script of the Marlins across. Oh, I yes. liked the teal and the black combination. You didn't see it too often. I like that. Um, next one, classic Astros. You know, classic Astros with the the bright, ugly, like mustard and red and blue star. You've seen these, right? Oh, I think the, they're hideous. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, but, but it's classic, though. It is. <laughs> it is. It, it screams seventies like, baseball. Right? Yes, it's, it's no like, doubt. I think they roll those out like on Sundays for the Astros. So I, I love that uniform. Um. So we're on three. My number three, back to powder blue. 
I like the powder blue with the old Phillies where they had like a big kind of cursive P on the chest and the number on the chest with the powder blue and then like the dark maroon red. I know exactly. Yep. Grew up with those. Um, Gonna go with... It's a tough one. I'm gonna go with uh, the A's uh, because they... Old school A's and I think they still do those throwback uniforms from time to time. Uh, yellow with the A's on the on the yep. uh, chest. The old Reggie Jackson, Raleigh Fingers back in that those days. I like that uniform. I actually so my number two is same era, but the V neck A's with the the yellow and then the big green A on the chest. So that was my V neck pick. But I just like the uh, the A's color combination for some reason. It just always works for me. All right, no, your I- favorite. God, I want to say the Expos so bad, but I, I, picked, <laughs> I picked the A's instead. Uh. 1983 White Sox. Okay. I have that jersey. I have the Fisk one, yes. Uh Yeah. That's my number one. My number one is the 70s Pittsburgh. The Pirates, the yellow with those hats. Like, I love those jerseys, those hats. It's the best color combination in, in, in most sports, too. I love the 70s Pirates. And there you are. That's five for five. Right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Yeah, I mean, some of them are hideous, but it's classic, though. And and, and they're in today. People are still wearing those things. So uh, we thank you for listening to the baseball show. Back tomorrow at 6. Thanks to Erica Strowski on the other side of the glass. We're presented by Goose Island Beer Company, uh, Chris Black, and Jonathan Hood. We're together talking about the NBA in two minutes right here on ESPN 1000. This is the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.